0: Sisters and brothers in Christ, I want to talk to you today about life in the womb of your mother. The Lord told Adam and Eve, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Part of the miracle of God's creation was the capacity for a man and a woman to create something new, a cell which carries with it the generic characteristics, the genetic characteristics of both the parents, and which establishes a whole new human being with its own capabilities and characteristics, such as the color of eyes, and the blood type, and the facial features, some elements of intelligence and temperament. And around 14 days after conception, it's multiplied now into thousands of cells, and the new life is clearly established. And then look out, because things really happen quickly. At 25 days, a tiny heart begins to beat. Backbone and spinal columns and nervous systems take their forms, as will the kidneys and the livers and the digestive tract. By the 28th day, they are only the size of an apple seed, but his or her head and body are clearly distinguishable. By the 50th day, electrical activity from the developing brain can be detected. And by day 60, the limbs, even fingers and toes, have begun to appear, and the unborn child can hear, can respond to touch, and can make his or her own movements. In 12 weeks, the end of the first trimester, the baby is fully formed. They have their own fingerprints, can experience thoughts, hiccups, respond to light, noise, and pain. Now I hope I have your attention because this morning I want to consider from the scriptures and from our theology that which concerns human conception within the womb. I share these scriptural truths as a background to the proposed amendment to the constitution of the state of Ohio, which will be on the ballot November 7th, and for which voting is already happening. Let's begin with our text. It's from Psalm 139. Does it say 130 up there? Yeah, should be 139. Over here I mean, okay. The biblical account of creation tells us how God created Adam and Eve. With Adam, God took the dust of the earth and created Adam. And then from his rib, he created Eve on the sixth day of creation. And he breathed into them the breath of life, the very image of God. He gave gave them material bodies. And then he gave them a living soul. And he gave them a plan for which every single human being after them would be created. You, me, every human being after Adam and Eve was created according to this plan that God had. He would not do it from the dust this time. He would not do it from a rib. He would not even do it from the divine breath. But from the two of them becoming one flesh, they procreated new life. And that new life would live for the first nine months in the womb of its mother. What a miracle, what a miracle. When I meet with couples planning weddings, I oftentimes say to them, if God so blessed them as to give them children in their marriage, the honor of conception is God's greatest reach to us humans, and our greatest reach to participate and partner with God in the creation of new life. That he would allow us to participate in the creation of new life nourished for the first nine months in the womb of its mother. Now let me read from God's Word to the Nation translation of verse 16 of Psalm 139. It reads like this, Your eyes saw me when I was only a fetus. Every day of my life was recorded in your book before one of them had taken place. Wow. God Almighty, intimately involved in the creation of every human life. God's word to Jeremiah the prophet. And by the way, I'm just, I'm just sharing a half a dozen or so scriptures about life in the womb. There are dozens of them in the holy scriptures. But in Jeremiah the prophet, God, uh, the prophet confirms, confirms the importance of, in God's eyes of what we call the preborn fetus. Quote, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah chapter 1. Well, the very creation story itself says it very clearly. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This image of God that Genesis 1 talks about means that God gave to us humans something that no other part of his creation had. He gave us a living soul. God was a spirit, and he wanted a personal relationship with us. And as a result, he breathed into us a living soul. It's what makes us the crown of His creation. And this is not given to us in baptism. Baptism gives us something else. It is not given to us at birth. It is not put into the womb by some divine uh, you know mystical breath. It is ours in the womb from the moment of conception. We are given the image of God. But of course something else is present from the moment of conception, and that is the consequence of the fall into sin. While our first parents, Adam and Eve, were meant to live forever, with the fall came the curse. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, and now from the moment of conception, the curse of sin brings about the possibility of death. The wages of sin is death. Yes, even a little child can die. Even before they are born, they can die. King David gave us this theological definition of what is called original sin when he confessed in Psalm 51, Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And he wasn't talking here about some affair that his mother had. He was referring to the curse of human rebellion that now becomes a part of our spiritual DNA from the moment of conception. But there are good, there's good news. You're seeing it, but I'm not, okay? The, the good news comes to us in the midst of a curse that, uh, that, that God broke through. God broke through that curse of sin. He did what only God could do. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, and how did he do it? He sent him into the womb of the Blessed Virgin. We say it in the creed, don't we? Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He became a divine embryo, fetus, and was born. And walked through this life and met death. The death that every human being must face. Only in his case, it wasn't because of his sin, it was because of yours and mine. He did it all for us, that we might once again be able to have a relationship to God, reconciled to God, huh? And that love of God in Jesus Christ, my friends, is the only thing that can save this world from its own inhumanity. Yes, and part of that inhumanity is demonstrated in our nation's quest for legalized abortion. We now call it reproductive freedom, only it offers no freedom at all for the unborn. And it's a very real issue today. It's as real as world hunger. It's as real as the war that is being fought in Israel. It's as real as the bigotry and injustice that we all have to face, for with abortion, We're dealing with not just a legal matter, but a moral and a spiritual question. When people make a decision regarding abortion, regardless of what the law permits, they're making a moral, a spiritual decision. And the courts cannot help us on that one, nor can a constitutional amendment. Here's where we pray for guidance from God to help us with those problems. Here's where we have to ask as a church, as the Church of Jesus Christ, What's our responsibility towards these moral decisions? The pronouns used for the fetus in the Bible are all human pronouns. As a matter of scripture, you could could not have told Elizabeth that her six-month-old fetus was anything but human when the baby leaped in her womb when Mary, the mother of Jesus, walked in pregnant, those two cousins, both pregnant at the same time, and scripture says, those fetuses were driven by the Holy Spirit of God, so theologians, you know, have argued for centuries about, well, at what point does the, does the fetus, you know, have a right to be called a human? That's just a philosophical and academic argument, debate, if you will. The biblical fact remains that what we are and what we will be happens from the moment of conception. You can distinguish between a fetus and a grown life, a grown adult. But in either case, you're dealing with a human life. Life created by God, as the psalmist said, fearfully and wonderfully made. So while the TV commercials over the next months are gonna argue all over the place about fetal viability, you know, before so many weeks, it's okay to abort a fetus and then after so many weeks, it's it's, uh, an abomination You know, uh, scripture makes things oh so much simpler. From conception, we're human. And yet, abortion seems to be well on its way to becoming an accepted part of American life. Since the Supreme Court ruling that ruled that legislation is in the hands of individual states, there's been more and more media attention and political attention given to it. To questions like when and if, and how, and under what extreme circumstances, abortion might be considered legal. A lot of Christians agree with the Roman Catholic declaration of several years ago that simply says, never may abortion, never may abortion be resorted to as a legitimate means of regulating births and yet our hearts of love go out to those who have to face what is being called unwanted pregnancies, crisis pregnancies, apparently hopeless life decisions, agonizing decisions may have to be made simply under the umbrella of God's grace and forgiveness. I feel for doctors who have to decide what to do when one of their patients, maybe a long personal friend, has a terminal disease. I feel with parents who have an unwed daughter about to have a baby, and I feel for the mother and the dad who are faced with an unwanted pregnancy. These and dozens of other life and death problems are real. And as long as we are capable of making wrong decisions, and believe me, I make wrong decisions every day, the gospel, the sweet gospel of God's grace, is going to be necessary to bring about forgiveness and healing probably means suffering with people that are going through these circumstances, both during and after, under the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it also means taking God's plan, His plan for the creation of new life and the laws concerning it, to take them seriously. It will take more than new laws and constitutional amendments to deal with the moral, ethical, and spiritual problems that our nation faces. All the more reason that the Church of Jesus Christ cannot be apathetic or indifferent. We should be active at the ballot box. Vote. We should also support agencies like Cornerstone Pregnancy to give compassionate love to those who need Christ-like counsel and advice. We should pray for adoption agencies and foster care ministries. We should open our doors Right? To anybody who needs the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we are faced with an amendment on the November 7th ballot entitled The Right to Reproductive Freedom with Protection for Health and Safety, we are faced with the challenge to be the voice of the unborn. But above all, if not we, in the church of Jesus Christ, who else will it be who will speak the voice of Almighty God? Let us pray. Creator God, you are the author of life, and in Jesus Christ, you gave us meaning and purpose to our lives. You've made us caretakers of your creation. And in this time and in this place, we take seriously this honor. Spur us to be faithful citizens of this nation, and the state of Ohio, led by your holy word concerning the sanctity of holy human life. Grant us, O Lord, your grace. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you all. Please stand. Uh, A wonderful little praise song, He Knows My Name, takes us right back to the womb of our beloved mother and the grace and mercy of God.